Greetings, and welcome to episode 22 of the Loaded Cart Podcast. Join Paul, Daniel, and their occasional guests as they talk about the things they love and hate about video games and the gaming industry. In this week's episode, we talk about the granddaddy of modern consoles, the Nintendo Entertainment System. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome once again to the Loaded Card Podcast. Today's episode, NES Retrospective, the granddaddy of them all. I am Paul of What's Paul Playing Today, and I am too sexy for my shirt. With me as always is Dan, otherwise known as Chop the Viking. And he is too sexy for Milan, New York and Japan. I, I like Lance. No? No no one? Beeler? Did I kill the podcast already? Because that'd be kind of funny. <laughs> so what have you been playing? <laughs> Not much, man. I've, I've been messing around with some mods on Minecraft. Because uh, I've been playing with a friend of ours for a little while. And we've just been doing like vanilla 1.10 minecraft and uh we decided since our server was getting a little foobar like it was there was just some weird glitches going on in the on the server it was just like well fuck it yeah let's let's reset things <laughs> and then it was and then it got even weirder because when i went to go reset things minecraft panel wasn't even working right which is like the software they give you for the hosting service for like to mm. interact with your server right i couldn't start stop or kill the server like it just and the the console wouldn't connect to it and i couldn't ftp i don't well no so i contacted their the support and like they were really really good about it and they're like oh hey yeah we just we need to move you to another node is that cool and i'm like yeah sure if Drug. whatever gets it to work you know i don't give a shit and they're like okay well you need to back up stuff before we move it just let us know when you want us to move it and i'm like i can't even ftp into the thing so just do it we're nuking everything anyway and he's like all right cool and you know an hour later I reset the server back up and started messing with some mods. Cool. Cool. But and then other than that, uh been still playing Legion because it's Legion and it's actually good. And uh then I've been playing doing some streaming lately. Uh and I've been streaming some uh mobile RPGs and I I downloaded a few of them because I expected because they're mobile and mostly free to play, like they're gonna have a wall where you like can't play anymore for that day and you have to wait. Because sure, sure. you know that's how all of these things work. Recommended to me, stuff like that. So, I started playing one called Summoning Kings, which is pretty high up on the uh, RPGs for the uh, iTunes Store. I think it's like the fourth or fifth best free game, and then it's also like the third or fourth top grossing RPG in the game huh. store. So that usually says like, oh, there's going to be a giant difficulty spike where you have to start spending money on this game, or you're just screwed. So I, I had a bunch of these games and I was intending to swap back and forth between them as I hit the uh, the walls of you can't play this anymore without uh, waiting. Giving money. Yeah, or, or just waiting. Like, okay, you have half an hour to wait for all your turns to refresh or whatever. Sure. And uh, I actually haven't hit that yet. In fact, it's really funny because they give you crazy bonus turns. All right. And I think I have like 176 out of a possible 39 actions right now because it just overloads you at the beginning to give you. Yeah, I, it, that's exactly what it says on the screen. It's like 100 and it's 
Actually, I have the videos rendering on my other computer. It's 173 out of 35 actions. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to wrap my brain around that. That's why Dan's trying to qualify it right here because my I'm, I'm tilting my head like a like a puppy's heard a sound that he's not quite sure of. Yeah, it, it's I don't understand. Like I I log back in the second time and it's like, oh hey, here have a bonus 50 free turns today and have this this and, this. and I'm just like, okay, cool. Fuck so, it, all right. Yeah. So and it doesn't take them away if you don't use them like i have to use them back down so i'm like i have come nowhere near close to running out of energy and like it actually has a pretty good tutorial which is you know it's kind of surprising but again not because obviously it's there's a reason it's the fourth or fifth most popular game on the itunes store and it's uh, actually a decent game and then yeah then there's also a reason why it's grossing a shitload of money but i haven't hit that wall yet so it's fucking addictive i imagine but it basically plays like JRPG combat. It's it's a pretty light game on substance for the most part. There is some quests, there is some story. Um, but for the most part, it's basically like you have a row of people fighting and then there's a row of monsters and you you click on an ability and then you touch the monster you want to target. And it's just yeah. you, grindy, grindy combat. It's a JRPG, I mean... Yeah. So if you like JRPG combat, it's really fast paced and you, you kind of race a lot and go for achievements to earn experience and money and more turns. More turns. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I've been playing. What have you been playing, Paul? So uh, in light of mobile games, I've been playing a mobile game called uh, my pooping game called Survive. Uh, basically, it's a, a wilderness survival slash escape game. So your car breaks down in the middle of a wilderness and you're goal is to make it like 60 70 miles and you only travel like three or four miles a day then you've got to hunt for food or forage for food um you set up a a tarp for rain catching put together uh it's put together some lean-tos for sleeping it's really kind of in-depth for surviving it's a fun little game i recommend giving it a shot maybe i don't know if you're curious just it's free on android i don't know if it's free on ios but it's it's certainly out there uh, other than that, I've been playing... Like, I started Resident Evil 1 since I've finished... For the most part, finished my Silent Hill marathon. I played uh, through Silent Hill 3, Silent Hill Homecoming, which was... God, I hated that game. And um, Silent Hill Downpour, which was the surprising of the two uh, American-developed uh, Silent Hill games. I plan on playing Silent Hill 1 and 2 uh, when a friend of ours visits a couple weeks from now. I'll play through those and... Uh, so I just said, fuck it, I'm just going to start doing other survival horror games and start a Resident Evil. Um, I kind of put that on the back burner, but because uh, our veteran guest, Phil, started playing XCOM, and I'm like, I haven't finished that. I'll play that. Because with something really cool is that you can now stream your Xbox games onto your PC. So if you have Xbox One, you can stream. Like I've, I've been live streaming my Xbox to my uh, laptop so i've been playing it in bed and just having all kinds of fun yeah that's really about it other than uh, dragon quest 7 which is supposedly like a 200 hour game so i've just been kind of whiling away a few hours here and there before bed it's good so, stuff sounds good yeah it's good times all right any uh news or other stuff you want to share or are um, we just gonna say fuck it and go to the topic no, uh, the only real news thing of sort is just something that, you know, we chuckle at on the show all the time is that uh, Star Cloud, Citizen. Yeah, Cloud Imperium delayed Squadron 42 again. Uh, it is no longer coming out this year. 
It's supposed to come out like <sighs> I think next month. And like the list of things that they still have left to finish is kind of hilarious. It it but, is it is beyond two or three pages, I believe. Yeah. And one of them is like enemy AI. <laughs> and I think one of them is like ship movement. Like, I mean, it's it's really like horribly bad and hilarious. What? What bothers the shit out of me is that people are like, oh my god, Star Citizen, Star Citizen. Uh. Elite Dangerous already exists. It's already a finished game. They're continually adding to it. Mm-hmm. 60 bucks, free massively multiplayer game. Other than that, it's it's no subscription for a massively multiplayer game. Really fun game. Yeah. Go 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 play that instead. You you definitely want a joystick for it though. You can yes. play with keyboard and mouse. You can oh. play with a uh, like a three sixty gamepad. But like like I tried with the Xbox One controller. Uh, a day later, I was like, Dan, do you have a Hodas that I could buy that you recommend? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just kind of shopped for one that was like sixty bucks on its own. So one hundred twenty total I've spent on this game, and I don't I don't regret it. I might have bought a hundred. I think I paid 120 for a 150 dollar hodas i got a good i got a good deal and then i'm mad because like two months later they came out with like a new super uber one and it's like god damn it i hate you moving on (laughs) okay (laughs) um thanks dick (laughs) so i don't know what to say to that really uh so other news um gearbox just released some new maps for Duke Nukem 3D for the 30th anniversary. Oh, okay. I'm like, like it, there's the, it, it the new Duke the Nukem or like no, 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 3D like the original Duke Nukem 3D. Like it wasn't. I'm sorry, it's not. Is it the 30th anniversary? Is it the 20 20th or something like that? It's Duke Nukem's 30th anniversary since they made Duke Nukem the original 2D platformer, and then they just released a bunch of new maps for Duke Nukem 3D. And I'm just kind of wow, you're just gonna milk that teat until it's done, huh? GG guys. Anyway, the mother of all consoles, or the grandfather? I don't know. Yeah. So it's, One of it's kind of kind of funny. We we were joking about this before we went live, which was like he's like the mother of all consoles. I'm like, isn't that kind of technically the Atari? And then, uh, yeah, I, I it's semantics. It is, but I I feel like while Atari was great, and it it definitely is the granddaddy of them all. NES just kind of popularized it. It made everything much more accessible. Everybody, like everybody I knew, everyone I've ever met had a Nintendo. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know about everybody I've met, but everybody I hung out with, really. Yep. I I definitely agree. Like, it was hard to find someone who had owned consoles at all and did not at some point in their life have a Nintendo, unless they were born like way, way afterwards. Yeah, uh, and then it's probably a Super Nintendo or a Genesis, one of yeah. the two. Yeah, and then and it is definitely the reason a lot of people went with uh, what you call it, went to the Super NES is because they loved their NES so much that they were just like, hell yeah, let's let's go with Super NES. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I ended up while I did have the NES, I ended up going Genesis because all my friends had SNES. I'm like, I can just go play there. Why don't I try the Genesis? Yeah. Made sense to me. All right. Um, And so so a quick thing, since we're uh, talking about this today, uh, 
one of the reasons why we saved this one for this time, like the reason we're talking about the NES today, is because when this goes live to the podcast feed in less than two, like two weeks, so it'll it will go live at the end of October. It'll be October thirty first. November eleventh is when Nintendo is releasing the uh, what the hell are they calling this thing? Uh, the Nintendo Classic or whatever. The, I can't remember the name for it. Yeah, but it's a it is a mini version of the NES, uh, and we will talk more about it later. Um, but yeah, it is being released. Uh, it, uh, it's November 11th, and it's before our next episode will air. So we want to talk about it now, so that when this comes out, it'll be like, yeah, if you want to pick up one of these and let's get hyped about some NES games, like let's do it. It's the 30th anniversary of the NES. So it's a good time to talk about this console. It is the NES Classic Edition system. So good job on that one. Yay. Oh, man. I am genuinely excited to start talking about this because I have so many good memories of this system. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people do. Um, it's, I, again, it's it's the nostalgia thing, right? It's everyone had this when they were kids, like... I was probably, I don't know, it was it was 95 was when the console came out. Or no, 85. 85, 85 yeah. I was two years old. Yeah, I was five. So I don't think we had ours for another couple of years after that. So I might have been like seven or eight when I had one. So it's like... I think I was about eight years old when I had one. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, and you grew up with these things. Like, I, I remember going to friends houses in middle school and elementary like towards the end of elementary school so like fourth and third fourth and fifth grade and like riding a bike to a friend's house and like just playing nes for three or four hours i just remember sitting and uh like i I gotta tell a story now so (laughs) my, my buddy roger and i when he first moved in uh i i was probably 14 he was probably 12 at the time so he just moved in we and we were immediately friends and he came by and brought by his cart of Final Fantasy. Neither of us had ever played an RPG. It's the first one we either of us had ever played. So we're sitting in my bedroom and if you're familiar with Final Fantasy, Garland is the first boss, right? So we bought equipment. We, we grinded, bought a bunch of equipment and didn't realize that you actually had to equip the equipment and grinded for hours to get to level, I think we were like level 20 before we went in to fight Garland and beat the shit out of him with our fists. <laughs> like we we had two fighters, a white mage and a black mage and kicked the shit out of Garland with just fists. It was fantastic. So nice. when we finally headed back to town, one of us ended up bumping the NES. I, I think it was me actually. I think I ended up kicking it accidentally. And it started doing, the, you know, the flashy reset thing where it just mm-hmm. the NES flashes on, then flashes off, then flashes on, then flashes off. I just go, fuck! Fuck, 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 fuck. My mom, of course, is like, I'm 14 years old, so I'm not supposed to be shouting profanity. My mom screams, hey! And just you know, as a warning, you know, you're not supposed to do that kind of shit. And Roger just looked at me and was like, dude, we saved it. Oh, cool. Wah, <laughs> it, was, it was just great. Oh, man. Nice. It was a good time. I miss those days. So let's just start this off at the most fun place possible what was your favorite game or series of games 
that came out on the NES? I actually, um, my favorite, uh, let's see, Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that everyone says is the shittiest Castlevania ever. Is probably my favorite game on the NES. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I just loved the RPG aspect of it because I, I played that long after we had played Final Fantasy. So I was just sitting there like, oh, this is really fun because I keep, I, I keep leveling up, I keep getting more health, and then you, you upgrade the the whips to like you go from the the regular. Um, whip to the thorn whip to the like the leather whip to the thorn whip to the chain whip to the morning star the flame whip finally and then dracula is such a disappointment because you can just throw the flame on him and he can't move it just keeps hitting him nice yeah it was kind of crazy so was that your first metroidvania game or did you just happen to like that one the best it was the f- well i played metroid uh, obviously and i don't know if can you really consider that metroidvania because that's just that, yeah, it was just Castlevania Two. It was just Castlevania Two, like Metroidvania didn't really come out until I want to say Symphony of the Night. Well, no, like all the Castlevania games are part of the Metroidvania genre. Like that's the whole point. Like they're all kind of that exploration, quasi dungeon I mean, crawling, well, jumpy. Castlevania One is linear as hell. Castlevania Three is linear as hell. Two is the only one that was kind of exploratory. Yeah. Then Symphony of the Night, there, the Castlevania Four yeah. was kind of you choose a uh, a path from yeah. two different uh, selections, and then Symphony of the Night was the real Metroidvania of let's just go exploring and do everything. Yeah. But it's it's the idea of the the platformy progressive game is the uh, it's the half of the Metroidvania formula, I guess. But I just really liked Castlevania Two: Simon's Quest. It just it just made me happy. Yeah. What about yours? So for me, mine are a little weird. One of them is not so weird, but one of them is definitely weird. I've I've two that I can't really choose between, and right. amusingly, they're both sports games, kind of. Um, okay. So the the first one is Blades of Steel, which is one of the best hockey games ever made for any console. Um, it was one of the first hockey games that actually. Well, not really, because ice hockey had fights in it, if you want to call them that. I don't know if you are familiar with ice hockey, where you had like the little cartoon. The original ice hockey, yeah, I loved it. Because you build like, up fat guys, and then the skinny guys, and then the medium, yeah. regular medium-sized guys. Oh, yeah. Good times. Yep. But no, so Blades of Steel was trying to be more realistic, because it was part of that whole Konami series of games. So there was like Blades of Steel and Double Dribble, and yep, you yep, know, yep. They, were, they were very, very good games. But it had fights, like full-on... Mm-hmm. 2D it would <laughs> yeah. fight. You had you had like a punch button and a block button, I think, or maybe it was up two different punch buttons, and uh, you you pressed back to block and up and down, and yeah, yeah. yeah. But you actually like there was some strategy to the fighting, not just button yep. mashing. Usually, I just button mashed. Yeah, most people just button mash. I'm a giant child though, so yeah, yeah. It was just such a really really good game, and there, you just played tournaments all the time, basically, because I think that's yep. all. I don't even know if it had seasons. I don't even remember. It, I don't think so. I think it was just literally tournaments and then one-on-one games with you and your friend. Yeah. Yeah, but oh, so good. Such a good game. Absolutely. Um, and then the other one is a very, very weird game, which is hilariously not on the uh, Wikipedia list of NES games. <laughs> All right. Which I don't know why, because it was definitely an NES game. And if you actually look up the uh, the Wikipedia for the game, it says it's an NES game. 
uh, and it's called Dusty Diamonds All-Star Softball. And this game was just absolutely fucking bizarre. So it was a playground softball game. So you and player two or you and the computer would pick teams and like you literally you would there's like 50 different players to choose from and like it's playground style like you pick a person they pick a person you pick a person they pick a person and nice. every person has their own weird abilities and bonuses and negatives about them all right and like there's one character that i remember very very distinctly whose name is diablo i think yep. and he, he had like little horns and he had like this and he had this bat that was a giant spiky club and yep. it was if basically unless you hit the ball on the very very end where the club is like you would strike out every single time but if you touch the ball it was gone, gone. like yeah. no like it was just you would obliterate everything and so it was a kind of cool game because you would go and you would play at all of these different like school playgrounds basically and there right. were school buildings and you could like break windows when you hit home runs uh, and if it if it missed a window and hit the wall, it was still in. But if it went through the window, it was a home run. It was just lots of just really weird, cool kind of stuff like that. But you would play all of these schools and of just random teams, and then eventually you would get to like the Little League World Series and play on a real baseball field with your crazy ass team of weird people. And I remember one of the other characters could actually like float, like would uh, float up in the air and like hover. And there's to this that was Binky. Yeah, there there were just there were weird weird people, and usually you found like three or four people you really really liked and uh, hoped the other person didn't pick them if you were playing another person. <laughs> <laughs> and you yes. strategically try and build, but there was also this weird thing because it would be like, okay, well I've never used this person before, so let me try them and see if I can figure out what weird thing that they do, right? Uh, and because you'd never know how where something might actually be useful and where it wouldn't be. And uh, it just made it a really, really interesting game because I have never before and never since played a baseball game, anything remotely like that. It reminds me of uh, the, uh, oh gosh, I, it was some sort of uh, like a robot league f baseball yeah, where they had, they had similar things where the, it's not, I mean, s similar in the fact that they had their own pitfalls and stuff like that like you, you could assemble robots out of various parts and make them like that but right uh, th this sounds like a game that i kind of want to go and play you should I, it's it's very weird and it's it it takes some getting used to and there are definitely moments where you're going to be cussing the game out and be like that is complete fucking bullshit this is, what the <laughs> fuck this is the worst made game ever and then there's just sometimes where it's just brilliant like the first time you actually get beat enough teams to play in a real baseball field it's right. just like you feel accomplished and then you just get ruffle stomped by this other baseball team that actually knows what they're doing nice because <laughs> i think my favorite part is as it was published by broderbund which one of my favorite companies when yeah. i was growing up cool I, they, they made so many commodore 64 games that were so good yeah but I just we rented it one time from blockbuster because you know that's how old this shit is uh and I think we rented it like at least another 10 times over the course of the life of our NES. Nice. Nice. Because it was, it was just that good. Be, we'd be in there and be like, eh, nothing looks good right now. All right. Softball. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like fun. All right. We've got the games that are our absolute favorites. Uh, what about 
stuff that didn't quite make the cut for the favorite. Okay. Well, so there's a handful of games you like kind of literally have to talk about when you start talking about both Nintendo and the NES. The first of those are the Mario games. Like you have to. You kind of have to, yeah. Uh, and mostly because I think all of them are amongst the like best-selling games on the console and some of the best-selling right. games in the history of video games. Um, but the original Super Mario Brothers kind of cheats because it was bundled with every console forever. And then yeah. Mario Brothers 3 also kind of cheats because it was bundled with a bunch of consoles after a while. But Mario Brothers is, I mean, it's a classic. It is, it is still held up as like kind of this holy grail of perfectly designed platformers and it's 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 got its own little pedestal that that it's held on and you kind of compare stuff to it but you don't really ever compare stuff to it mario 2 is you know the weird stepchild because wasn't actually a mario game yep it's a reskinned other game well the one that came out in the U.S. is a reskinned other game, right, right, right. but some people really, really love it because it is so different uh, from the other Mario games. That's um, actually why I love it is because it was just not a Mario game, so to speak. And then uh, Mario Brothers Three might actually be one of the best platforms ever made that is not Super Mario World. Yeah, uh, for those who are curious, don't bother looking it up. Mario Brothers Two is actually a reskin of Doki Doki Panic. Yes. Just so you don't have to look it up. Uh, then there's the Zelda series, obviously. I mean, Zelda 1 is the classic. Yep. It's, it is the adventure game. It is just the birth, the real birth of the adventure game. You go, go around, it's the adventure RPG. Go around, slay enemies, run through dungeons. And uh, I remember you mentioning on the last podcast that we were talking about uh, the guy who's going through all the Zelda dungeons. Yes. I don't I think he did. I don't know if he did any. As, uh, Mark Brown, I think is his name. Cool. I'll de- definitely we'll link it again uh, and I'll, I'll link the specifically to those videos because they're they're really good and really interesting if you're interested in level design in any capacity um, absolutely but yeah so the first two zelda games were on this and again we have the weird phenomenon of the second game being way different than anything else in the series yep. where in zelda 2 aside from the crazy overland map was like a side-scrolling platforming sword game yeah it was a an action uh, action stabby right so zelda 2 is actually really cool because it there's this weird phenomenon where there was a reskin or a kind of a clone of zelda in the game of rambo zelda 2 and rambo are the same pretty much the same game and it's really entertaining because Rambo came out in the US before Zelda 2, but Zelda 2 is actually was actually made before Rambo. So shrug? Weird. Yeah. Anyway, not the not really a point, just a fun little tidbit. Uh Zelda 2, I think, is the better of the two, in my opinion. I, I enjoy it more, but uh, the final boss is really easy to beat. You yeah, can just literally go sit in the corner in the far left corner, turn around and just duck and stab and you'll kill himself. Yeah. Uh, I was never a huge fan of Zelda 2, but I have watched a couple of friends play it and beat it multiple times. So I, I get the gist of it. Um, the only thing that was fun for me in Zelda 2 was that weird down thrust and just pogo, yeah. sticking, pogo sticking people to death. And then like, Link got laid a lot by the health lady. Yeah. Yeah. You get dragged in just, you know, I mean, I guess you need some rest. Kind of weird. Yeah. 
that, that is a little weird. Um, and then there's Metroid, and I don't remember if there was a second Metroid game. I think the second Metroid, Metroid game was on Game Boy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the the original classic Metroid with its potentially shocking ending if you got the right ending for it. Hmm. Um, yeah. The final ending was, if you're not familiar, it uh, was just Samus completely without her suit, and it was a woman, and that was shocking back then, because yeah. really there weren't a lot of female protagonists in in Nintendo games. Yeah. yeah the The only downside to that ending was that I I'm still not a huge fan of for the ending is that if you did not get that ending, you never would have known that, so it never it like never mattered. It was never of consequence in the story or the the game like it doesn't but which is i guess to its credit it doesn't matter whether it's a male or female but if you were assuming it was a male the entire time like you never knew otherwise and so there's no point in even making it a female if it's only something that some you can get with it yeah the secret ending kind of It, it was i both get it and i can respect it because it gave birth to a really cool legacy Mm-hmm. and at the same time i can see why it was unnecessary yeah yeah and then we've already kind of touched on the next one castlevania the other half of the metroidvania combo castlevania 2 was great yeah. fight me <laughs> <laughs> uh the the other two the castlevania 1 and 3 were really excellent just don't freeze people on the stairs with castlevania 3 if you use scythe's ability to freeze people if you walk underneath them while they're frozen they'll still hurt you that's weird. So, yeah, kind of a really weird glitch of programming. But yeah, yep. just a pro tip if you try to tackle Castlevania 3. It, it happens. Yeah. I'm a font of nerdy knowledge. Yes, yes, you are. But that's that's why we like you. It's not because I'm pretty. No, you only tell people they're pretty if you want them to be quiet. Well, I got a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... <laughs> The uh, the last game of the staples, I think, in my opinion, would be the other platformy, shooty, crazy game, which is Mega Man. Yep, they, they made were seven? six, six, I think, either six or seven. There were seven. I think it's six. Seven ended up being the last one on NES. Long after it was done, he's gonna go Google it now. Yes. Uh, then they started making the X series on Super Nintendo while the uh, right, the original Nintendo still had the Mega Man series. It was a very, just, it was a Nintendo hard series of games. It just, it really was. They were the definition of a Nintendo hard. You went in, killed, killed uh, seven bosses or eight bosses, and then go take on Doctor Wily. I assume you have an answer now. This uh, is according to Wikipedia, at least. Uh, six was the last one on the NES. When did seven come out? I know they made it. Yeah, whatever. Meh. All right. Got the staples. Castlevania, Mega Man, Metroid, Zelda, Mario, Contra. Yeah. Who doesn't love Contra? Yeah. Contra has its moments, especially since it is the reason everyone knows the Konami code. Konami code, yeah. Honest. It is. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start. That's only if you were doing multiplayer. Well, you can hit the select start anyway. You don't have to, because you hit the select in order to clear the screen. Get it to, that's what I did anyway. That's <laughs> what I did. It always worked. And there was Super C too, which was also on NES. 
Yeah, which is on the uh, the classic edition Super C. Why would they put Super C but not Contra? I don't know. Like they have some weird choices on here. Are you fucking stupid. They also have Castlevania two, but not one or three. I think what bothers me the most about the classic is that there's no expandable memory. So if you look at no DLC, nothing like that. Castlevania's on it. Well, we don't know if there's DLC on it. Like we yeah, they they haven't been yeah, they've been kind of they haven't details. Said, much like with the Nintendo NX, like yeah, they they haven't we we know almost nothing about it, which we will definitely mm. get to. But yeah, the, the Contra games were fun. They were actually pretty good compared to the arcade. Like they were a pretty good arcade port. Because uh, that was one of the many games that, uh, like, during the time, that's what the big war was between Nintendo and Sega, was getting arcade ports. Because as a legacy from the Atari, like, porting arcade games so that you could play them at home was, like, a big market of the video game industry. And then they started making console-exclusive stuff and, uh, yeah. like, experiences that you couldn't really have in an arcade. Um but yeah, so you had like Mario Brothers, which was a, an arcade port, basically. Yep. yep. You had the Donkey Kong stuff. Yeah. Rampage. You have, you have Contra. Yeah. Rampage is definitely one of them. Yep. Contra was good. It was, again, you run around, jump on platforms and shoot things, much like yep. Mega Man, only less cartoony. Yeah, it was, it was much more fast-paced. It, you know what it reminds me of? And this is going to be really weird. It reminds me of the bullet hell style games. So, yeah, so like Contra is a side-scrolling version of like 1942. Yeah, I could see that. Like it's, 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 the, it's, a, it's the same thing. You have weird power-ups that do different things with the shots, except you're jumping up and down instead of flying your plane side to side. Like it's just you yeah. twist the axis and you have it. You have basically. This it's like a, it's a ground-based version of Gradius. Yeah. Then there was uh, TMNT2, the arcade game. Yes, I, I definitely have that later. <laughs> yeah, the, Fair enough. Let's talk about it now. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. The original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles I bought because of playing the arcade game. I was like, fuck and yeah. You're probably very depressed. Oh, yeah, it was horrible. Like, So that's, that's just going to be an honorable mention later. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, let's, let's keep going. It, it was, it, honestly, TMNT2, they did a really good job of porting an arcade game into the nes i thought anyway it's hard not to enjoy that game the only problem is that it while it did port it it also tried to maintain the difficulty by giving you a set number of lives as opposed to saying just feeding it continues yeah yeah because it's that's the thing about arcade games is like as long as you have the money you basically have an infinite number of continues and lives yeah if you lose like 20 dollar bill you've won the game yep in fact we once in high school found an arcade that had uh shadows of mistara on it like the D nice. and we had just heard about it it had like just come out we found an arcade in richmond that had it uh back when richmond actually had arcades and yeah, it doesn't anymore and we drove up there one saturday morning when it opened literally cashed in 20 dollars for quarters like just spread the twenty dollars worth of quarters on top of the arcade machine because <laughs> it had it it had the uh, it had four joysticks so it had the yeah. whole complete setups on it and yeah. like literally it was just okay 
take as many as you need. Whenever you need to continue, just put the quarters in. We don't give a shit. And uh, awesome. so, so it was me and three friends, and we just we we played until Kept we pumping quarters it. until oh, we yeah, did it. Yeah. yeah. And it was That's like good. that was our Saturday. We're like, we're gonna go and we're gonna beat this damn game. That's fantastic. We, we don't care. The arcade people looked at us like we were crazy because we were like yelling at the machine and stuff like that. And they're like, <laughs> you probably hadn't seen people that excited to play a video game in like forever. I think we were in high school. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. It was it was pretty fun. All right. You mentioned double dribble earlier. Now it's time for double dribble. Now it's time for double dribble. Let's do it. Let's do it. Quite possibly the best basketball game not called NBA Jam. <laughs> That's a solid point. But no, it, NBA Jam is its own thing. Uh, it's it's a very weird, quirky basketball game. But Double Dribble is fantastic because there are some cheats in it. Like there are some definite, like you, you can shoot from one of the, there's one of the back corners you can shoot at I th- from, I think, and you'll like make it almost 100% of the time, which is kind of That's funny. awesome. Now, one of the really cool things of the game was where it would do the cutscenes for slam dunks. So you would like always like go down the court and just like slam dunk the ball and just and it like you know, do all kinds of really cool stuff. Nintendo, because the worst part is that that's actually probably the sound it made. Because Nintendo had such a limited soundboard. <laughs> yes, and there was Tecmo Bowl, Tecmo Super Bowl. Just yeah, th- those the best, probably the best football games ever. Yeah, like one of the things with uh, Tecmo Super Bowl that was kind of cool was that they remade it for the DS. Like they updated it and made it yep. for the DS, which was like, do what? And uh, like that I had was no just, reason to do so, but it was so much fun. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. Yeah, but my brother and I lost a lot of hours playing just season after season after season of Tecmo Bowl and Tecmo Super Bowl. I think we actually went out. 10 years worth of seasons in Tecmo Super Bowl at one point. Nice. Nice. Players start retiring and shit and you're like, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> I think my favorite part of both of those was that Jim Kelly refused to lend his name to the license for the game. So it was just QB Bills. Most of the licensing for that game was just really, really wonky. It was, uh, but he refused to put his name in there. So it's just QB Bills. And I was like, mm, yeah, all right. I'm in. Yeah. Can he still make passes to Andre Reed and James Lofton? And still hand it off to Thurman Thomas. Just QB Bills made me laugh. All right, you got a a, a triple threat here, a triple header: baseball stars versus base loaded versus RBI baseball. Again, sports games were oddly good on the NES. I don't know why they actually tried. Yeah, so there were three baseball games, or like real big baseball series on the on the console. SNK made one that was called Baseball Stars. Uh, then there was a the series of bases loaded games. I think there were four of them eventually for the NES. And then there were was I think one official RBI baseball, and then I think four other uh, unofficially made RBI baseball games. It's hilarious. It really just depends on on what you preferred because they were all like different enough that like played different enough that you definitely would have a preference between them. My personal yeah. one I think was for baseball stars because you could create your own teams instead nice. of playing and like you could completely make your own league with all with custom teams and you could with multiple people. So a friend of mine and I did seasons of that at his house cuz he owned it and uh we would play I don't know how much. Yeah. Baseball Stars was cool because you could make your own team and like basically manage the team and hire players and do all kinds of other craziness. Yeah, they ended up having uh, 
four four uh, editions of that game on NES. Base loaded, base loaded two, the second season, then three and four. Um, yeah, but the all, everything after the original RBI Baseball, I think, uh, or are you talking about uh, Baseball Stars? I'm talking about bases loaded. Oh, bases loaded. Yeah, all of those yeah. were normal, and then RBI Baseball was weird because the first one was officially licensed through Nintendo, right. and uh, the next. Th- three i think i think rbi two three and four were all yep. uh like crazy unofficial unlicensed games no these these were all licensed by nintendo uh from jillico for base RB- loaded i mean oh yeah no i'm talking about the rbi baseball let's see here they did they do weird stuff all right tengen oh they are famous for yep. making unlicensed games and actually, um, it looks like uh, Namco was the original developer of RBA, RBA Baseball. Pro Yaku Family Stadium in Japan. I can't pronounce Japanese names, right? So we'll just, <laughs> just go with it, all right? Yeah, you're you're white. It's okay. Eh, you know, what are you going to do? Um, that their Excite Bike. Yeah. Excite Bike was definitely one of the more fun games. You could build your own tracks. How do you not enjoy that? Yeah, and you always would make these just super, super ridiculous tracks. Everyone made just these retarded tracks. No one, no one ever tried to make something a, even an remotely. actual challenging track. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, no, not challenging. Like one that was actually resembled one of the normal tracks where it made the, sense and like had some flow to it. Or like right. no, you just put like the big giant super obstacle like thirty-seven thousand times in a row and like you had see to if you get through it the fastest. You had to. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like it, it was it was such a fun game. It was so so cool. It was like, you know, oh, wow, a motorcycle game because all racing games except for Hang On were uh Yeah, I mean RC Pro M yeah. was was pretty much the the staple of that console. Yeah, RC Pro M was also a lot of fun. Uh and there was also yeah. a really cool knockoff of it that is an unofficial game that was a lot of fun that was called Micro Machines. And it was, yep. you know, yep. for the Micro Machine Company. And that one was really cool because it was a lot like RC Pro-Am where it's a top-down racer where you're steering. But it takes place, like, on the kitchen table while someone's doing their homework and eating yep. breakfast. And Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, you're flying over... Uh, basically, you're flying over bowls of cereal. You're trying to dodge Cheerios and shit like that. Binders. Oh, they didn't call them Cheerios. Yeah, there's a, there was a binder laying on the table yep. or something like yeah. that, yeah. And uh, you, you used rulers for bridges between the, t- the two tables. It was a, it was a fun game. I remember that. Yeah, that that one was was really cool. Um, you miss my micro machines. Man, my childhood. Yeah. So one thing that the NES is really underrated for is RPGs. There's a handful of them hiding there. I think a lot of us were way too young to really appreciate them. Dragon uh, Warrior. Yeah, because basically there was Final Fantasy and there was Dragon Warrior, and then. I guess to a degree there was the Gauntlet games because they're kind of RPGs. They're more weird ha- hack and slashy dungeon crawly. Yeah, yeah. And then there was um they tried Ultima. to port yeah, they and they tried to port some of the uh gold box games. They sure did. They failed miserably, but they tried. God they, bless them, they tried. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's it's just this weird thing like I mean, Final Fantasy is a great game in retrospect. It's a great game. It it kind of blew up the genre of JRPGs and you know, our our culture of RPG playing would not be the same if it weren't for Final Fantasy actually taking off on the NES. Sure uh, would. Yeah. However, play one of the remakes. The the original one's good. 
but it suffers from a lot of the things that a lot of RPGs did at the time, which is what my friends and I like to call uh, puzzle solving by telepathy, where you just like, if, if you do not know exactly what the game designer was thinking when he designed a puzzle, I, my favorite of these is sadly still from the original Secret of Mana game, like the original Seiken Densetsu, which yeah. I think was uh, Final Fantasy Adventure for the Game Boy. But there was one point where to advance the story, you walked out of this town and you had to know to walk like, I think it was two screens to the left and then one screen up and then you had to randomly hack down this one tree and it was the only tree in the game you could cut down. But you had to like, you had to walk this very specific pattern of runes in this unlimited forest, basically. Hmm. And then you had to cut down this exact tree without any clues or prompting that this is what you needed to do. It's kind of like the ridiculous puzzle in Legend of Zelda where you had to go northwest, southwest on in the uh, the Lost Woods. Yes, without actually without having actually any no, kind having, of prompting. Yeah. yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. It, but but that that was a staple of that genre, though. Unfortunately, it was. It was the, there were just these crazy hard puzzles that you just either had to suss out, or the only thing I think that made Final Fantasy playable was the giant Nintendo Power strategy guide that everyone who owned oh, yeah. the game owned. Oh like, yeah. You had to have it or else. And like Pretty that's bother, don't bother trying to play the game. Yeah. And and fortunately with modern technology, you don't really need those anymore, which is why I always laughed at GameStop when you'd go into like yep. buy a go into buy Oblivion and they're like, do you want to get the official Prima strategy guide to Elder Scrolls Oblivion? And I'm like, no, thank you. I have game facts. I, I own the internet, which borders on adventure game logic. Yeah. Which is just. <laughs> and now it's funny because now, now you have like YouTube. So like, yeah, you can watch really, people do this. Yeah, if you're really stuck on something or you need to learn any kind of crafting or anything for a game in a modern sense, like YouTube is, is the place to go pretty much. And, and adventure game logic is uh, any sort of Lucas, Lucas arts games or, Definitely. Or any of the Sierra games, which were famous for their quote-unquote adventure game logic. I, I think Maniac Mansion is perfect for that. Yes. Maniac Mansion was very weird for the console. <laughs> just just don't microwave Ed's hamster. Or do. Well. And don't why, do why Paul is cringing. Don't, don't do it. Just trust me. Spoilers. But Maniac Mansion is, is a fantastic game. It is. It is. It is a, a LucasArts classic, and if you are a Tim Schafer fan, it is kind of a staple thing that you must play because it was one of his very, very first games, I believe, uh, when he was working with LucasArts. I think it's LucasArts. I could be totally wrong, but I know it was one of his first games. It's like Maniac Mansion, Day of the Tentacle. It was fun. It's actually really funny. I think Maniac Mansion 2 is even funnier you can actually play through the entire original Maniac Mansion game in Maniac Mansion 2, which is kind of funny. Really? I had no idea. Yeah, there's a there's a game console that you run into at one point in time, and you can actually sit down and play it in, in the game console or at the computer, I think it is. I think it's a computer in someone's room. You can play the entire Maniac Mansion game in Maniac Mansion 2 because the, source code, is, because the source code was so small. They were just huh. like, this would be really funny. Let's do this. And... uh it was funny enough to them that they they did it kind of reminds me of with the new the newest wolfenstein that came out uh, uh the new order if you recall yeah uh they actually had the entirety of wolfenstein 3d in that 
Nice. It, one of the nightmares was uh, uh, I can't remember what it was. What you had to do to trigger it, but one of it was just it was have a nightmare, and then you're playing the original Wolfenstein. <laughs> it was good stuff. That is kind of funny. So now we'll come to another arcade port. Like that was yep. pretty good. Uh, like the Paperboy game. Like the the arcade game was weird because I it was very very hard to actually find back in the day. It was. Uh, I don't think I ever but, played the arcade port. Yeah, the arcade port was just really it was hard to find and it, it, it was hard because the like win lose criteria was just all kinds of wonky, but it was fun. Like the the yeah. NES port was was actually really, really good. And some of my fantastic. friends were ridiculously good at that game. I was not good at Paperboy when I was a kid. Um, so in order to keep subscribers, you had to actually deliver the paper, you know, put it on the uh, on the in the mailbox or on the porch in order to get subscribers from people who are not subscribers. You had to break their shit. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> Which is ridiculous. I, I literally like went down the street and just threw it through everyone's window because it was well, you, funnier that way. You can't. You, well, you had to. But that was the entire point of paper was to get subscribers. You broke their windows. Which seemed utterly ridiculous to me in order to get a new subscriber or break their shit. Like, just stop breaking my shit. I'll subscribe to your newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the mafia mentality, right? I guess. It's a really like, weird thing. I don't know. You subscribe to my newspaper, I stop breaking your windows. <laughs> you don't subscribe anymore, I break your kneecaps. Oh yeah. With a newspaper. Somehow. Let's just go with it. Yeah. And then so, uh you, we actually talked about this a little bit earlier rc pro-am was also really fun there was an rc pro-am 2 that again almost no one played um, yeah because i think I it came out like it. i think it came out right at the end of the console's life cycle like right Somewhere after 93 right when the super nes was out so like everyone had moved on and it was just like no come back i just came out you know that's one of those kind of things it was, it was released in 92 and it's really hard to have a a, a a game like that just to come out right at the end of a game a, a console's life cycle because everybody's playing the new the new hotness. Yeah, and it did not come out for the Super NES. Like that was like the very important like it only yeah. came out on the, came NES. Out on the NES. Yeah. You know, probably makes sense from a developer standpoint, but Yeah, the, but it didn't make sense for wanting to make money. <laughs> but the the weird thing was RC Pro M was made by Rare. Yeah. It was. What the crap? I did not know that until like really today. Yeah. Rare I, that's something I learned weird learned games. Today. Yeah. It's it's weird to think of Rare as, as being around that long. I think Tree is the first thing it's with Rare. Yeah. And or I, if you miss the SNES, the first thing you associate with them is Goldeneye. Yeah. Like Goldeneye Perfect Dark conquers bed for a day. Like I guess. It's the height, the golden age of rare other than Donkey Kong Country. So just for, for funsies, we can actually go through a lot of the titles that were released by Rare. Like Wizards and Warriors was a rare game. Yeah. The the entire Wizards and Warriors series, like Iron Sword, Wizards and Warriors, Wizards and Words Three, uh even <laughs> um the the Jeopardy, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, both developed by Rare. Hollywood Squares, so pretty much all of the the games that were based oh, on. Oh God, did you did you ever play any of the Hollywood Squares games? Like, no, they were so no. bad. Like they were I'm, so hilariously bad. So do you remember um, the LGN, the company LGN? So fun fact, 
they were actually a, more of a publishing company rather than a developer. And Rare developed a lot of games for them. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, A Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. Beetlejuice, the WWF games. <sighs> they were all terrible. As you say, you sound disappointed. I'm very disappointed because they were bad games. Bad games. Rare has a has more misses than hits, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Although they did make Battletoads, so that's okay. Yeah, it's it is just weird the number of games that they made. Like it is they just absolutely crazy. They did make a ton. I like just that for they Nintendo alone. Let's see, did they make? Okay, they did actually make RC Pro Am too. It wasn't a uh, another company. They also made Super RC Pro Am for Game Boy, which is just wait Super. RC Pro-Am, not on Super Nintendo, but on Game Boy? For Game Boy. That doesn't make any sense. Anyway. I don't think it's supposed to make sense. Nothing in my life makes sense. <laughs> what about the best-selling games? Okay. So for the best-selling games, we get a lot a lot of the usual... This is bullshit? Yeah. Uh, the stuff, bullshit? The stuff that you call bullshit, which is the fact that the original Super Mario Brothers sold 40.2 million copies and it's the best-selling game on the Super NES. Peter uh, bullshit. Because it was sold with probably, you know, 40 million... It was bundled, yeah. 40 million units of Nintendo Entertainment Systems. Then there's the hybrid con- or the hybrid yeah. cartridge of Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. Which sold 28 million copies for Duck Hunt. Yep, I had that. I had the, I had the, yeah. uh, the hybrid... We had the weirder hybrid because I think by the time that we bought our NES, uh, yeah. we bought the one that came with the power pad. So it had the Ooh. it had Bam. Mario Brothers, Duck Hunt, and like the power pad weird Olympics game. <laughs> oh man, that the game track- was fantastic. The track and field game. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was so hilariously bad. It was it was so bad. It was good though. It made that full circle leap. Yeah. It. Definitely crossed the Maryland point. If you if you are familiar with what the Maryland point is, it's about how the flag of the state of Maryland is so ridiculously, hideously absurd that it actually looks good. So because it, it went so far past tacky, it came back around to looking good. So pretty much any Steven Seagal film. Yes, well, half of them. I'm sorry, Steven Seagal. I'm not really sorry. Anyway, just, just don't use your aikido on me. There. God, I, I don't think he could at this point. Oh, he can. <laughs> it's like waving a ham around. Anyway. He still, he still does demonstrations in Japan, which is kind of funny. Really? Why? Because he's, gotta a, be, that's, he's a sixth Don Black Belt? That's got to be for laughs for them at this point, right? No. <laughs> anyway, like Mario Brothers 3 ended up selling 18 mil. <laughs> Mario Brothers 2 was 10 mil. Tetris was 8 million. Yeah. Legend of Zelda count comes in pretty low here. I, I thought they would have sold more in 6.51. Yeah, it's it's a very, very interesting thing. Like that Tetris outsold Zelda on the NES. Like I can understand Tetris outselling Zelda on like the game, like Tetris on the Game Boy outselling Zelda. Like, sure. Oh, wholeheartedly. Because everyone that I know who owned a Game Boy owned Tetris. It was bundled with the Game Boy. Yeah. yeah. Um, Again, cheating bastards. <laughs> yeah uh but it is interesting to see that mario brothers 2 actually sold as high as it did yeah i mean it outsold tetris which is kind of surprising in and of itself mostly because people it, it's a very polarizing game you either loved it or you hated it and a lot of people hated it I don't yeah know. maybe that's just me all right let's head over to the games you just 
you really, really wanted to be great because, oh, I love this. This is a great idea. And it just sucked or fell short or just something about it was just bad. Yeah, I'll start this one off. Uh, for, for me, the game that I really wanted to be awesome that just did not anywhere come close to the promise that it had was a game called Cyberball. And right. I referred to this game during our uh, uh, NES episode, uh, SNES episode, I think, uh, where I was talking about a, uh, a football game that was with robots. And yep. this this is the football game with robots. And it looks like it uses the Madden engine or a precursor because Madden didn't exist yet. <laughs> um, and, and it just d- does not do it well. Fell like, way short, huh? Yeah, it was it was a north south like up and down the screen style football game, and yeah. you had your little robots, and they they blocked. And I don't even think it had a full roster of people. Like it wasn't a full team. It was you know yeah. reduced you know three linemen or something like that. Like it was an NFL blitz style lot roster. Gotcha. gotcha. And uh, it just it just didn't do it. I don't know why. Like, but it was like it had all of the things that could be like really awesome. Like fuck yeah, football with robots, and especially because. All of the sports games on this console were really, really good, and this one was not. And then I'm going to give an honorable mention to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because I wanted the arcade game or something similar to the arcade game, and this was just you catch oh, shit. stupid little b- bullshit. Yeah, yeah. There was a wah, wah. yeah. As a kid, um, my folks had me watching the the 19, 1960s uh, Adams Family film or show. So I, I was watching a lot of that. Like Sean Astin was in that, or Sean Astin's dad. I can't remember his. Was, was, um, anyway, it was Sean Astin's dad, and just great shit, fun show. And then I saw the fact that there was a an Adam's Family game, Fester's Quest. Hey, Uncle Fester, he's the best. So it was an isometric shooter that had Uncle Fester trying to rescue the entire Adam's family who'd been kidnapped by aliens. It was developed by Sunsoft, you know, the guys who made Blaster Master. Blaster Master is a fun game, isn't it? You think yeah. this would be this is going to be pretty cool too, and it sucked on so many levels. It would it's it's so hard to explain. So the projectiles you could either improve your gun by picking up gun power ups or make your gun worse by picking up gun. I, I don't know what power downs. I guess. <laughs> It just and the power ups. It got to a point where you were you had a a three pronged little thing that if any of those little bits hit anything else, all three of them were gone, and that counted for every single projectile you shot. So if you had a projectile that was very wide across the screen and it hit a wall, you couldn't shoot very far. Weird. Yeah it it wanted to be a fun game. It it almost was a fun game, but the mechanics just screwed it up. I want to I want to give an honorable mention to Friday the Thirteenth because I wanted that to be much better than it was. It's nice. still it's still an enjoyable game. I still play it. I still I actually looking at it on my shelf right now. I kind of want to go play it, but it just could have been a hell of a lot better. And I can't yeah. wait for the new Friday the Thirteenth game coming. It should be coming out, I believe, this summer. Oh yeah, it's gonna be so fun. All right, so. I have an anecdote now about fire away. You, you just totally reminded me of. So I think I was in third grade and at the time, 
everything was trying to capitalize on the marketing that is these Nintendo Entertainment System. Sure. And I still have them somewhere, probably in, in Richmond at my mom's house. Uh, but <laughs> but they published a series of novelizations of NES games. I have a lot of those, actually. And in third grade, I actually did a book report on the book for Blaster Master. <laughs> <laughs> I actually still have. I, I think my mom has them, but I still have Ninja Gaiden and uh, Wizards and Warriors. I have yeah, both those novelizations. Yeah, there was a, a a box set of four that I think I we bought at some point in time, and I actually probably, did a did a book report on the Blaster Master. Probably one. like the the fucking bookstore exchange that always came to the schools. Classic. Yeah. Might that have been. shit. Oh man, that's because that's where I got the two the the uh, the uh, Ninja Gaiden and uh, Wizards and Warriors. In retrospect, terrible writing, just awful. But as a kid, that was just, oh, man, I'm reading the game. It's so awesome. All right. Because you're a kid and you're fucking dumb. So the book series was called Worlds of Power. Yep. And they were sure novelizations was. of NES games. They were created by some guy named Seth Godin. Yep. And the books that they released, and I think I had the first four. So the, the first one was uh, Blaster Master, then Metal Gear, then Ninja Gaiden, Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest, Wizards and Warriors, Bionic Commando, Infiltrator, and Before Shadowgate. I've never even heard of Infiltrator before Shadowgate. Oh, no, those are two different games. Infiltrator. I know. I've heard of either of them. <laughs> I kind of want to go read them. Oh, man. And it's actually funny. I actually recognize Seth Godin uh, by his picture. He's a, I don't, I don't he's, he's a writer in a public speaker and does some other stuff that's funny but you you were bad at writing back then seth good he only wrote one of the books i think Hold on, oh, okay um if it was wizards and warriors you're a terrible writer at that point and i'm glad you improved anyway. yeah, this is the allegedly he was he was writing and he talked to one of his nephews and his nephew told him that he did not read for pleasure. He played NES games, so he decided to write books that would appeal to children who played video games. Oh, man, did you fail? Yeah, and <laughs> so they were they were a deal through Scholastic Books. Yes, I knew it. So there you go. God, I feel bad for doing that. Yeah. Other video game creators successfully uh, negotiated in Scholastic Books approved the project. All right. How about some gimmicks? Because Nintendo, of course, you can't have you can't talk about Nintendo without talking about all the gimmicks that they've had. Oh yeah, like Wiimotes. Well, funny you mention that because the precursor of the Wiimote is something we have first up, which is the Power Glove. Mm -hmm. It's so bad. So this, this is really the precursor of the Wiimote. It had three sensors that are placed around the TV. Like there was one in the upper left corner, one in the upper right corner, one that dangled down on the right hand side. So those sensors used ultrasonic speakers embedded in those three sensors. And there was two in the glove inside of the knuckles. So what these did is that the speakers would give little short per short bursts of, of uh, sound at uh, 40 kilohertz, which you can't hear, obviously. It's about twice as high as you can hear. Well, because human hearing basically stops around 20,000 hertz if you're really, really lucky. Kilohertz? Yeah, 20,000 hertz, sorry. I'm glad you know that because I had no idea. So the system measured how long it took for these sound, the sound to reach the microphones inside of the, 
the three uh, three sensors. And so it, that triangulation was performed to determine the the XYZ location in the two speakers in the glove, which determines the yaw and roll of the hand. It couldn't do pitch. So anyway, there's a series of, of conductive ink sensors in the glove, which allowed it to detect, detect various finger twitches. So for example, the four-finger twitch was used as an analog for the B button, and the middle finger was used as the A button. So you could literally twitch your fingers and jump around. And as you're lifting your hand, your hand up and down you could, and left and right, you could then move the character on the screen, in theory. In practice, however, it was really shit. Except it made a cool accessory on the uh, Nintendo Power television show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of gimmicks. <laughs> right. Anyway, let's leave that in the dust and uh, let Lucas keep his so bad power glove. Mm-hmm. So the zapper's up next. And if you're as familiar with it as I am, because I did a little bit of research, it's generally known as the light gun for a reason. So when that trigger is pulled on the zapper, the game being played just stopped for a second and paused the game kind of and then showed a black screen. It's had the entire screen flash black for a, for a single frame. On the next frame, all the valid targets on the screen they were all redrawn as like white blocks while the rest of the screen just remained black. And if the zapper is detecting the change in the screen from low to bright light, and the zapper is aimed at a bright light, it registers a hit. And if the target is hit, the game determines which target it was based on the duration of the flash. Because each each one of the targets flash for a different duration of time. So mm-hmm. maybe one's short, one's long, one's just in between the two. And the whole process is fast enough that it was almost imperceptible to the human eye. It's actually it was a really cool concept that I it was great. I thought it was it was a fantastic idea, and they just I think that and the super scope were the only two things to utilize it. And they kind of dropped the technology after that. The problem is that it only worked on cathode ray TVs. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't have a CRT TV, you were just plain fucked. Because I, I remember watching the uh, Angry Video Game Nerd, and he tried to do it with a flat screen TV. It didn't work mm-hmm. at all. Well, at the time. You had no choice. Everyone owned it. Sure, sure. Everyone owns cathode TVs. But I'm talking about like now, like I'm looking at a flat screen TV and everything that I have is flat screen. I don't even own a cathode tube, anything anymore. Nope. I'm pretty sure I can go find one at a Goodwill around here, though. I don't know if I could. To be quite honest, I don't think I could. I definitely can here. Man. And and, and it was because of the screen bend that a lot of it worked. Mm -hmm. That, that, not the, the convex, the concave, convex screen. That was coming out of the, the just kind of bent toward you, as opposed to uh, a flat screen. Because even CRT monitors were flat screen. A lot of them were anyway. And what was really cool is that Nintendo continued to innovate and do weird shit. They continued to try and just make things cool, yep. even back in 1988. Because only in Japan they released the Famicom modem, so it allowed users access to an internet server. That provided a, like live stock trades, game cheats, jokes, weather forecasts, horse betting, yeah, and could, small amounts of DLC. DLC in 1988. You could bet on horse races in 1980, which is really weird. You could bet on horse races now, but in 1988, you could do it from your Nintendo. Well, your Famicom because it was only released in Japan. Well, yeah. Anyway, there's a lot of things that I think uh, I remember you want to talk about because a lot of people were saying that uh, wireless controllers were not available until later on down the line well so there's really a kind of funny thing so the nes had a thing called the four score which is a 
four player extension for your NES. Like you plug it into a controller port and it has four controller ports. Yep. And so you're basically kind of just daisy chaining. So I mean, that's cool and all. And there there were only a handful of games that supported it, like Gauntlet and stuff like yeah. that, like that have like, natively Gauntlet, four Gauntlet players. Two only did it. Yeah, there, there's a handful of games that do. But what was also interesting that a lot of people don't know is that there was an official product called the NES Satellite, which is a four score that is wireless. So you have the base that you plug the controllers into that sits like on your couch and you plug all the controllers into it. And then you have a thing that sits up by the TV and it plugs into the actual NES. And that has an IR connection with the base that the controllers are plugged in. And yep. Four player wireless from your couch. It's pretty sweet. I think my, my favorite bit though is the next one which was the NES Advantage. Mm-hmm. So they, they had the, the arcade-style stick where you could actually... It was a big freaking platform about the size of the NES itself. You, you could plug it in, and it, you could plug it into the first or second or first and second player. It had a toggle switch that you could actually... I have one in my bedroom. It's really sweet. Uh, you could toggle between first and second player. You also had turbo buttons, and you even had literal dials on the uh, NES Advantage that you could t- turn in order to say show how much you wanted turbo. Like you could yeah. either do it at smaller intervals or really, really fast intervals. Now, what's really cool is that Nintendo was so freaking ubiquitous. It controlled one of the most iconic symbols of America, the Statue of Liberty in Ghostbusters 2. They had that controller for the Statue of Liberty was a freaking NES advantage. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's how ubiquitous Nintendo was. They mm-hmm. controlled the Statue of Liberty. Nintendo ruled the freaking world for a while. Yeah, and Mario did too. I mean... That's actually, so one of the things with Nintendo now, right? The Olympics this year, at the end of the Olympics and the closing ceremony, one of the things that they did was Shigeru Miyamoto showed up dressed as Mario to like take the torch from Brazil <laughs> because the next Summer Olympics is in Japan. What? That is the dumbest thing I've heard today. He and I've heard a lot of like, dumb things today. A, a big green pipe came up. And he came out of it dressed as Mario. Oh, Jesus. And, yep. T- t- so the official handoff from Brazil to Japan for the next Olympics was Shigeru Miyamoto dressed up as Mario. That's like, that's still how iconic he is for that country. Like, it's he is an international symbol for Japan, which is crazy. I can't do anything but laugh because it's just so ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but it's ridiculous in all of the right ways. <laughs> yeah. That's true. So we touched on this a little bit with the uh, Genesis, but the uh, Game Genie yeah, was the thing. And the Pro Action Replay, I think, was a thing for the... Uh, also for the NES? I don't know. Was it for the NES? I thought that came up with the SNES only. I might be wrong. Either way, it was the same thing where you just plugged a, control- a-, a Nintendo cart into the... Game Genie, and then plug the Game Genie with a Nintendo cart Daisy Chand onto it into the NES. They mostly were for uh, the front loaders, not the top loaders that came out later on in the life cycle of the but system. The uh, Pro Action Replay definitely existed for the NES. That's awesome. Uh, what's really cool is that the it, it was such a better connection system that a lot of the repair shops for Nintendos would use the game old Game Genies as the connectors of the refurbished NESs as opposed to 
the original connectors. Nice. Because that's that's a lot of the times when you're blowing into that that cartridge, the mm-hmm. connectors are faulty. Yeah. So you're, you're blowing into it, didn't didn't do much at all except for made you feel better about the thing. Yep. All you had to do is reseed it in there. So we talked about this a little bit ago. There's are a crap load of wireless controllers. I think doing during research, I counted like seven or eight and just whittled it down to the ones that were more well known. Yeah. Uh, a claim made an official one that is officially licensed for Nintendo. And uh, it is probably the most famous of them. Yeah. yeah. Every, yeah. every, every one of these is infrared, just so yeah. we don't have to keep going over the same thing. Yeah. They're, they're all, yeah, all IR, which was really, really fancy technology for the time. But it requ- it's the same way your remote control works. You have to have line of sight or it doesn't yep. work. Uh, they used to actually have these ports on laptops, which are really funny because I've never, I've known people who've actually used them to transfer files. I've done it once in my entire life, and, yeah. uh, and it's a pain in the ass because if you either person moves their computer even slightly, like you have to start over. Yep, yep. I remember having the Sega IR seven thousand and being able to play the uh, the infrared game on it which was a, a battle game, some ridiculous silly RPG. If you even bumped the damn thing, which you had to press a button, you couldn't play for very long because <laughs> you'd break connection with the IR. Nice. Yeah, um, they had uh, the Freedom Connection, which was a an adapter that converted any regular controller into a wireless controller. It's a pretty cool idea. Yep. And then uh, there's a Freedom Pad, which is a much, not, not as quite well-known, but it's an unofficial infrared wireless controller for the nes it, it was the same guys who made the freedom connection okay and then you have something about a quick shot whiz master yep a uh, quick shot actually made like four different things but this was just basically a, a wireless controller that had various adapters that would plug into the back of the controller so you could uh it came packaged through a remote adapter that but you know, others could be purchased separately. So the Wizmaster itself came packaged with an arcade-style joystick. It would attach to the directional pad. So, like, uh, you know, how you have those those screw things that you made the mm-hmm. the the regular Nintendo controller into a thumbstick kind of. Mm-hmm. They had that. They had adapters, which which gave you better grips. But it was really just the whole thing was just a wireless controller with the uh, infrared. Kind of cool. And then the uh, Super Stick was another infrared wireless joystick. Yeah, it was kind of they, they wanted to do kind of a Hodas thing and just. It failed miserably. And then one of the last things that's actually kind of interesting, uh, it didn't do so hot, but it its impact on the world of gaming is kind of interesting. And that's the power pad that came out for the NES. And if you're not familiar with it, it's a mat that you plugged into the system and laid it on the floor and it had buttons on it and you would step on them to engage the buttons. Uh, it had two different sides, which is what made it really weird. And on one side, it would it had twelve buttons. So it was on one side, it, it was four rows of two blue ones, blue buttons. And then on the, yeah. on the right next to them is four rows of red, like two red buttons. And that that was for like two player games. And the person player one would step on the blue buttons, and player two would step on the red buttons. And uh, but let's face it, you would actually just get on your knees and start slapping with your hands. No, we actually... Uh, so this is this is why the, these games were really funny. Is My brother and I figured out this trick that if you stepped on the front buttons, right? And yeah. you put the, the balls of your feet 
off of the button. So the button button is like here and your foot is like this. So okay. you're putting your heel on the button, but your toes are off of the button in the front. You can okay. actually lift your heels up and down really, 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 really fast, like way faster than you possibly can your hands if you're down on the ground. And like okay. we could run the 100 meter dash in the track and field game in like three seconds. Huh. Fancy like, that. Like it was absolutely absurd the distance we like in the high the like long jump we would That's we would hilarious. do that up to the line and then just jump off of the pad and just stand next to it and then like <laughs> and then jump back on it like right when the time came down and we were we were getting like 30 foot long jumps and stuff like that like it was it was ridiculous the, the shit that we figured out with the uh, the gamepad like it was so much fun just in its absurdity i don't That's think fantastic. we ever actually played the long jump game the way you were supposed to which is run on the pad and then just jump in the air and land uh, <laughs> like it that didn't happen um and then on the other side which we never used there was another button layout which was it had two red buttons in the middle of the pad and then mm. around it were blue buttons and so basically okay. it just it did it so it's the same four by four grid yeah and uh right and it just didn't have the corner button so it would be the two in front of it the two behind it and then two on the sides so it's like this okay. weird grid of six sure. but uh, we didn't own any games that used it but that's because like there were literally only 11 games that supported the thing and only six of them were ever brought to the u.s nice nice but which makes it sound like a really huge flop but Dance Dance Revolution actually credits this thing for why they made Dance Dance Revolution. Like this gave them the idea of like this wouldn't it be really cool if and like, this would happen. Yeah. DDR was born and and step and yeah, you know, well step mania that spawned from DDR and pump it up and yeah. all of those Basically, all of those and it's our rhythm rhythm game revolution really. Yeah. The the dancing rhythm games stem from this, which is kind of cool. But, I mean, and from those, we eventually got the the rhythm games in actual guitar format, because I guarantee you that that's where they took the the idea from. Yeah, well, some of it. There, there was the taiko drumming games, like the the Japanese drumming stuff that exists, which are really ridiculous arcade games. If you can ever find one to play, <laughs> they're they're pretty cool. Can't say I have, but I yeah. want to. But not all. Not all accessories are created equal. <laughs> yes, so to speak. Because we have some real stinkers, like the freaking speedboard. Okay, so if you're not familiar with the speedboard, it was basically a hunk of plastic that you put your NES controller in and ran the cord yeah. through. Yeah, it, 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 has like a, really... it has like a, a slot that's just like barely wider than the controller, and you just like kind of wedge the controller down in it so you can like jam your, like tap your fingers on it as fast as you can without having to hold the controller. You snapped your freaking controller into place and it put the speed at your fingertips. That was on the box. And I'm sh I, I wish I was joking. It put yep. the speed at your fingertips. What the fuck does that even mean? It was a terrible piece of shitty plastic that was, uh, again, I believe that was LGN because yeah. they did a lot of shitty things. And there was the super chair, which was really kind of weird. It was a chair controller. Now, before you think that it was just a controller embedded into the chair, no, 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 no. The chair itself was the controller. So you plugged in the NES controller ports, and it basically doubled as a control cross. So leading forward push you, pushes up, leaning back pushes down, leaning left and right push left and right. 
And then it, the hand grips had the A and B and select and start buttons, which is okay. just why. Yep. Yeah. Do you want me to talk about the next one? Um. Your your play with this thing. I have only used it once. And I don't even think we used it for the correct game. We used it for something else really, really weird. Okay, so... Using it for games that it's not supposed to be used for, it doesn't work work very well, but it's funny as hell. Okay, so what we're talking about is the Rob, the robotic operating buddy. And this both piece of shit and innovative piece of technology works with only two games, Gyromite and Stackup. So it's kind of similar to the Zapper in that it receives the commands via optical flash of the screen. So... It only functions correctly when it connected to the CRT TV, like the, like the Zapper, and it essentially doubled as a second player when playing the two games that it came with, which was Jarmite and Stackup. So it allows gamers to hook up the NES controller to Rob, who would then kind of... So what he did was he had next to him a, a top, essentially a, gy- a gyro spinner, and it would spin those gyros, it'd lit, and Rob would turn, grab one, move, and either push the A or B button, depending on which one it was flashing for. It was just a really strange piece of technology that only works two games and flopped horrifically. Yep. I don't know. You added 3D glasses. What are you talking yes. about? There was something for the NES that it only came out in Japan that was called the 3D system. That's great. And it is uh, it's this monstrosity. It's a, it's a small monstrosity, though, that you strap to your head. And uh, was it like Virtual Boy? No. So the Famicom had a third player expansion port on it, and you connected it to the third player expansion port with an adapter. And Uh then you used two 3.5 millimeter jacks, so like small headphone jacks for it. And it did stereoscopic 3D with shutters. Interesting. That's that's actually a fairly innovative concept. Yeah, and there were a whopping six games that used it. <laughs> I know Rad Racer had a three had, had a three D mode, and uh, oh, Hyper Load Runner was it? Yeah, n- neither of those games worked for this. Yeah, or but they both it? have three D modes. Is what I'm. Yeah. I know they use actual three D glasses. Anyway, yeah. weird things. Yeah, one more on here. We do have one more on here, and it is the hilariousness that is the U Force. And it worked really well. If if you want to, I would love to see someone on YouTube using a U Force to play Punch Out because that is like the funniest possible use for this game, uh, this thing. So basically, it's this weird laptop-looking thing that you set up on a table, and it has a bunch of IR sensors in it. And when you pass your hand into the IR sensor, it registers a button push of some yep. variety, yep. and. Like so one of the examples that they use is that you like you punch over the thing to punch things and punch out. So that's why I really that's want weird. to see someone play punch out. I yeah. could swear that during uh, the Angry Video Game Nerds NES accessories video, he used this thing for punch out, specifically for it. Oh, so nice. there might be something out there for you. Nice. Yeah, and there's apparently it comes with a there's a accessory they came with which is like a a full flight yoke, so like the the actual handlebar steering wheel kind of thing that you tilt. Like it looks like, like a, a piece system. of shit. Oh yeah, it looks so so hilariously bad. And I was trying to find it, but there's another one that's very similar to this that I think came out for the 
Genesis though. Interesting. Where you except this is one that you put on the floor and it was like a big octagon looking thing and, and you, you stood would, in it and you punched out over the borders yeah. of it buttons and uh, oh like that those those two things were so like hilariously bad. I remember the the advertising for that thing actually, where the dude was doing a like a full on martial arts maneuver inside of it. Yeah, he, he did like a roundhouse kick or something. Yeah, like that. and you're you're sitting like, there's no way that that's how this works. No fucking way at all. <laughs> but as as a kid, you're like, oh my god, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and you look and you look back at this at the commercials now, and you're like, how is that fucking stupid? Yeah, it's it's so it's so hilarious watching this stuff in retrospect. Like, I always laugh. Like a few years ago, they re-released a lot of the like Voltron on DVD, and they went back and they were going to the archives and doing. So, so I bought like the first season of Voltron on DVD, and then I bought I think it was the first season of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show because it was yes. just like hell yeah, I remember this show. It was awesome, and it included Captain like, Lou Albano, and it included like the first season of the Zelda like spinoff that that happened like during the intermission. Holy shit! Were both of those shows just terrible? They like, really were absolutely horrible. And it's like I had shitty taste as a kid. What the fuck was wrong with me? And uh, like, so I'm scared to like watch old shit. Like, I, I don't want to go back and watch Transformers. That's not the no, movie because it's like, no. oh, that, that this is not going to end well. It's really and, bad. Uh, and people like all like my especially my sister likes to tell me a whole bunch of stuff like oh my god i love this show so much i'm like yeah don't go back and watch it just please don't please don't it's those those rose colored nostalgia glasses like if uh, you're gonna watch the super mario brothers super show just watch it for captain lou albano who played mario in the live action bits or yeah or or the watch the zelda stuff because oh my god it's so funny it's so well excuse, excuse me princess, princess. My dad smacked me upside the head for saying that. Did you say it to your dad? Because that makes it even more. Yes, I did. So he slapped me upside the head. He's like, you never fucking talk like that again. It was amazing. Yeah, like it turned it turned Link into such like a just a dumbass. It was so hilarious. Yeah. All right. So one of the cool things and the reason, part of the reason why we're talking about this, that's kind of fun, is that... Uh, here in a couple of weeks, the mini console is coming out, like the the classic classic edition. Is that what they're calling it? And it's a little tiny, tiny replica of the NES, which is kind of cool. And, but it has full size controllers. There are thirty games built into the thing. Uh, like we were saying earlier, no one has any idea if it's going to be expandable. Like if you're gonna if they're gonna have a DLC market and they're gonna just port more games to it, or if you know any game that's on the you know Wii store or whatever can be downloaded to it, no one knows because they they're not saying anything about it yet. It is only sixty dollars, which is kind of cool. You get thirty yeah. games, like thirty old school NES games for sixty bucks. It comes with one controller. The controller actually uses the same connector as the Wii U slash Wii, so you can actually use. Yeah, you can actually use this NES controller with your Wiimote to play classic NES games on your Wii U, on your television. That's pretty addition, cool. Like stuff that doesn't come out for this. Um, uh, one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting, so it is HDMI out, which is, you know, necessary for modern televisions. Pretty um, much. But 
it has three different output modes from the looks of it, which is kind of cool. <laughs> uh, the first one, like it will mimic the old TV scan lines and like will actually like scroll scan lines up and down your screen like an old TV does, like an old CRT television for, you know, the full nostalgia factor. You can also choose to do four by three output um, and it will stretch to fit accordingly, which is kind of funny. Right. I don't know. That one that one sounds the least interesting to me. And then the yeah. other one is that it will do pixel perfect high definition to your television. And so basically all all of its full 8-bit glory will be, you know, on your TV. Nice. Nice. That's gonna be great. I, I, I kind of want one, but at the same time, I kind of already have one. I mean, I've got the Wii and the Wii U. I, what do I need this for, you know? Yeah. And a DS. Yeah. You have a 3DS. You can play. I a, do. I do. I think you, all of the games that you can get for the Wii U, you can get for the uh, DS, right? I, I haven't looked into it, so I, yeah. I, but I imagine that's true since there is a huge NES library on the 3DS. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure all of those games you can play on the uh, on the Wii and the the 3DS. I'm not sure. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But for sixty bucks for the thirty games that come with it, um, you could do dumber things for 30, sixty bucks. Yeah. And like you said, there's some of the stuff makes makes sense. I mean, they have Mario Brother, like the first three Mario Brothers games, duh, makes sense. Yeah. Uh the both of the Zelda games, mm-hmm. uh, the first two Castlevania games. They have Excite Bike. They have Super Contra for some reason. But uh, not regular Contra. That's what bothered yeah. me. Yeah, they have like Galaga, the the one that they have ghosts and goblins or ghouls and ghosts. Like the NES Ghosts and Goblins, the yeah. Super Ghouls and Ghosts was yeah. the Super Nintendo one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the NES version of Ghouls and Ghosts. It's called yep. Ghosts and Goblins. They have Star Tropics, which was like, wait, what? Star uh, Tropics is great. What do you mean, wait, what? Oh, no. Yeah, I know. But like, I'm surprised it's on here. Like, that's, that's, that's yeah. It has Tecmo Bowl, so you can get all your Tecmo Bowl stuff in. You, uh, can, you can go bow on people, Excite Bike and Punch Out. Those are the only sports games on it. But not Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Punch Out featuring Mr. Dream, the edited yep. version. Yeah. They kind of edited Mike Tyson out of well, NES because they lost the license and there was the whole rape charge. Well, it's also because they would have to pay him a shitload of money to re-release the game. and Pretty much, yeah. It was mostly licensing fees that, that stopped him the first time. Yeah. Uh, and there's a Kirby game on it, like the original Kirby's Adventure, which yeah, nice. Now that you mentioned it, probably is kind of a classic of the system. Like Kirby it games really have is, yeah. to be to be a pretty big thing. But yeah, there there's uh, and Kid, Kid Icarus is now kind of become a thing. I had Kid Icarus of Myths and Monsters on my Game Boy, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. The, the, that that would that's that quote unquote sequel to the original was really good. The original was kind of shit. Yeah. But yeah, the the list of games on it so far is a little weird. But I'm I'm curious to see if it'll it, be expandable. Mostly, if it's if it's expandable, I will like pretty much probably buy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the a good thing is an additional controller is only 10 bucks so a 10 dollar controller is not bad at all not at all i think i wonder if it fits in the palm of your hand and you get an hdmi cable with it for 60 bucks so that's actually a really good yeah deal. that's a really good deal that's a steal because you get everything with it yeah you get the system a controller an hdmi cable the ac adapter and 30 games 
Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy cheap for sixty bucks. The the way it's worded, it's worded thirty pre-installed games. So it it, it seems like suggesting which, it's expandable. Yeah, which makes makes it look like it's possibly expandable. But again, we will not know until people have it in their hands. It's true. Or Nintendo announces more. I I hope. I wish they would have a store because one of the things that we occasionally run into on this show is like emulate emulation is well and good like you know people people do it it happens absolutely it does like there's a lot of people myself included that if i could legally play the game i would vastly vastly prefer to some of the stuff it's like it's just impossible to get your hands on these days or if you can it's the price is so just incredibly ridiculous that yeah it's it's not worth paying and that's one of the cool things that's been about, you know, having either a 2DS or a 3DS is that you can download these old, like, I was looking at uh, the Pokemon games. They they remade the original couple of Pokemon games as, like, Fire Red and Leaf Green, I think. If you fi- try and find a copy of Fire Red or Leaf Green on a Game Boy Advance, they're, like, $120 each. They're ridiculously overpriced for some inexplicable reason for and they were they were those games like the uh the certified games like the games that had the official seal of approval from Nintendo that were 1999 yep. and now they're on sale for $200 because they don't exist anymore ridiculous like, yeah and Ugh. so so like it's it's cool that Nintendo is doing this thing where they're bringing some of their classic games back so you can play them in a modern setting because there are a ton of games like if this thing had blades of steel on it or double dribble on it i would buy it day one like oh yeah without question um because there's those are two two games that i really really love playing like tecmo bowl makes this a thing that i'm considering like excite bike makes it something i would consider it it definitely has a few games on there that i'm like "Mm, 60 bucks i don't know yeah might be worth it and and if it is, if it's sixty bucks for the hardware platform, and you can play other emulated games on it, because I mean, basically, yeah. if you're thinking about it, this, I, it's it's basically Raspberry Pi. Yeah, it's a Raspberry Pi system. It's about sixty bucks with a custom yeah. controller and some custom yeah. hardware, which is, you know, it's nice. That's actually but, fairly cheap for a Pi game or for yeah. a Pi console. Yeah, there's no telling how much memory it has in it. If it if it is expandable, I will definitely get one if it's expandable. Yeah, uh, but that's not something I'm gonna know until it gets closer to coming out, and that that's kind of a shame. It is. It is. Yeah. Anything else? No, I'm about tapped out too. So that was our look at the NES. How about letting us know what you think about the NES? You can either yeah. drop us a line on Facebook or head on over to Reddit and let us know what your favorite NES game was and why you loved it. Or didn't like let us know what your least favorite game was. Like what yeah. what game disappointed you? What game flopped that you just really wanted to be freaking awesome and it failed miserably? Yeah. It just did not live up to expectations. Possible ways. Facts and it do. <laughs> Paul's just giving what, them to you now. What game is your facts and it do? <laughs> anyway, if you want to give us a give us a shout out, uh try and let us know what games you like or dislike about the system, you can find us over at facebook.com slash gaming. You can find us over at, on our Reddit thread at slash r slash gaming. You can contact Dan at our Twitter feed over at, at loadedcart. 
you can find, you can check out me over at, at Paul Cluel. If you want to email us, just I know it's outmoded, but come on, give us a shot. It's uh, either a chop at loadedcardgaming.com, Paul at loadedcardgaming.com, or podcast at loadedcardgaming.com. Head on over to loadcardgaming.com where you can get all of our up-to-date news and when we're, whenever we post a new episode. And uh, eh, why not? Give us a five-star review if you want to. You know, if not, let us know what we can improve. Either way, we'd appreciate your review and your time and your feedback. It, whatever you guys do, it gives us more people to listen to and gives us more bumps up in the ratings so that we can continue to climb the uh, podcast hill, so to speak. Indeed. Yeah. Anything else? What I miss? Uh- so the only thing I'm going to throw out here at this point is uh, I've been streaming on Twitch lately. If you are bored in the evenings Absolutely. and have nothing else to do and want to watch me make an idiot of myself while playing some games, right now my schedule, I'm doing uh, Monday and Wednesday nights, I'm doing weird mobile RPGs on my iPad. That's starting about 10 o'clock, like 10 p.m. Eastern until whatever I stop, which is you know probably about 1130 or midnight. And then Fridays, I'm I've actually probably I think going to start playing through Fallout Four again. I might actually restart a crazy melee character, and uh, play through Fallout Four and the uh, the new expansions because the the melee character was a lot of fun. Um, it is brilliant and and just absolutely ridiculous after a while. Yeah, so that that was that was good. I might I might do that again, but I definitely want to play through all the new content in Fallout Four now that it's it's finished air quotes finished i can play through it and, and say i'm done yeah so it's twitch slash chop the viking i've been posting on our twitter whenever i'm streaming like to to throw out the link so or you can go subscribe there if you want to be nice and say hi and i will definitely say hi if you're watching and i kind of ramble about the game and kind of analyze its design a little bit because that's one of the reasons i'm playing a lot of these things because yeah i'm uh Learning about making games some more. So, yeah, definitely picking up some more stuff. <laughs> so, I think that's about it. I think we're we're good to go now. Hopefully so. You have all of the ways to contact us. So yeah. That leaves, that leaves only one thing, Paul. Well, a couple more things. One, Uh-oh. fairly soon, I will be starting restarting my stream. I'll be probably moving it over to an actual... Uh, cast of what's Paul playing today instead of the traditional one I'll be kind of uh, daisy chaining them and having my old stream rebroadcast the new stream so if you get a chance uh, I'm going to start it up uh, fairly soon it'll be uh, twitch.tv slash what's Paul playing today but other than that uh, here's some smooth jazz to play you out Is your cat like she going she crazy really over there? She's going ape shit with her <laughs> toy. Hang on a second. <laughs> we are currently experiencing technical difficulties. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, the uh, Zelda 2 is actually a. So it, it's kind of a weird thing since um, they there is a. Just ignore the squeaks. <laughs> we're just gonna need a minute you're gonna cut this anyway right oh yeah oh yeah this will probably be a great stinger so enjoy the stinger here here's some more stinger material
Are you sure, sure you should give that back to her? No, but I don't think she could find it anyway.